So let's first start with uh, the lessons I know from Jacqueline Novogratz, if I can tell you. <laughs> the most important thing you can do in your life is to find friends and cultivate those friendships in a, in a common journey. Because there will be days when you struggle, when you stumble, when you fall, when you wonder whether or not the challenges that are before you are really worth reaching for. And it's your friends who really help pick you up and dust you off, talk to you in an earnest way, allow you to whine a little bit, but not too much, <laughs> but then also inspire you to keep going. And if there's one thing I will tell you about the journeys you're going to embark upon, is that they're going to be hard, they're going to be challenging, they're going to be lonely, they'll be uh, full with setbacks. Setbacks that likes of you are not usually accustomed to because you are the successful ones. And yet successful people struggle and stumble, make mistakes, and even fail. And it's how you learn from those mistakes and who helps you learn from those mistakes and who keeps your sense of spirit and your sense of accomplishment going that will make you a success at the very end. So if there's one thing I will tell you about my companion from 17 years of Thanksgivings and many years of travel and uh, a spa trip we took at, in Mexico that <laughs> was like a Russian gulag where we were both under, on a budget and we could barely afford going to anywhere and we said, okay, we need to get away. We were both a little bit fried. So we found this one spa online that had, you know, cardboard slippers and kind of these, there wasn't a natural fiber near the, <laughs> and the first night we got there, we went into, until we were in Mexico, we went to a little town in Mexico and we sat there and, all right, do we break out of the gulag or do we stay? And we decided to stay and we had a great deal of fun. And finding someone, a group of people like that who will be that to you, uh, will make all the difference in the world and Jacqueline has been that to me. Let, let me tell you what I wanted to do with you this morning. First, I wanted to say that last night with the Supreme Court justices was truly remarkable. I hope you all understand that. If not now, I hope at some point you will, you will, you will recognize its significance. I've been to the court numerous times. Every time the ACLU has a case, I go and listen to our attorneys argue the case. I've gone to other cases that are not only our cases. I know the justices not very well. I know Justice Ginsburg very well because she was the director of the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU and was our general counsel and she tucked me under her wing about nine years ago when I became the director. I knew Justice Souter a little bit, uh, not as well as Justice Ginsburg. Justice Sotomayor I've known because we have a similar trajectory. She was also, she's also Puerto Rican. She grew up in the same neighborhood I grew up in, in the Bronx. She went to Princeton a, a couple years before me. Uh, She's a woman who was very much involved with the Puerto Rican Legal Defense Fund when I was involved with it as well. When I was brand new to the ACLU, I gave a speech in Lower Manhattan, and I looked at an audience like this, and I saw her face in the back. And she was already a sitting federal judge. And I turned to her after a speech, and I'm like, what can I possibly say to you that you don't know? And she said, I'm here to support you. Uh, and to have that type of interface with the justices last night, uh, is really a remarkable moment. There are very few Americans. It's the most closed part of our third branch of government. And so being able to hear them speak, hear them politely disagree with each other. If you actually read the tea leaves, there was a, there was a bit of disagreement, uh, especially on the last question uh, that, 
about the politicization of the court and whether or not that was undercutting their legitimacy, uh, which I have an opinion on. Uh, <laughs> and what I thought was remarkable is also seeing Justice Kennedy in action. He is, he is the most important man on the court. He's not the Chief Justice. He's not the most senior. He decides those 5-4 splits. So that's why the question that was asked about the 5-4 splits, he is the decider, literally. Every brief we, we write is focused on how will Kennedy vote? How do we swing Kennedy? And so thinking about the man who probably possesses the, most, the greatest power on issues of human rights and social justice and equality and hearing him speak uh, was, was, I think, quite important for me. Now I know to talk more about uh, Mr. Marshall in some of our briefs. <laughs> you got to take what you learn. <laughs> Wrote it down, sent it to my legal director. I'm like, every brief, you have to look what Marshall said. <laughs> so look, I, I don't want to waste our time. I, I, I can talk. Those of you who, who have seen me before, Karen and others who've known me, I could sit here all day and talk. But what I'm going to do is something a bit unorthodox, because I think Justice Kennedy was all right, was entirely right when he said, the art of success is learning the art of questioning. So I'm going to go right to questions. I'm going to take around five or ten. I'm going to take them down, organize them, and then come back and try to answer as many as I can. And then if we have time for a second volley, we'll do that. But not to waste our time and to have the rapport that I think is most essential. I'm going to go right to you. You know what I do. You know, you think, I think you know a little bit of what I believe in. Anything and everything is on the table. Personal questions, work about the ACLU, the political narrative, institutional questions, questions about you know, what, what are my greatest successes or failures. Often those are the ones you learn from the most. But I want, I want to hear what's on your minds and see if I can address that the best. And I do this with my own fellows each year when I put them all in a, in a library. I go right to questions, and they're sometimes a little bit struck by it, because they expect me to talk for 15 minutes and then answer a couple of questions. But I'm going to try to do as much of this as I can with you. So I'm betting that this group will have a whole bunch of them. And uh, so let's see who has the first one. Please. Uh, hi, Mr. Romero. Thanks for being here. I'm Benjamin Anthony. Locke. I'm a 2L at NYU Law. Uh, ben Benjamin, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess one issue that I'm struggling with a lot as an advocate is negotiating between my, my obligation to the idea of advocating for a particular client and also as an issue grows and especially as it moves up through the appeals process, uh, acquiring a, a constituency to whom I'm, I'm responsible for, especially at, when a case is taken on by the ACLU or when it gets to the Supreme Court and it's accompanied by a bunch of amicus briefs, uh -huh. that, that's a big issue. So I'd, Appreciate hearing your thoughts on that. Thanks. Right. Right. Someone else. I have a couple questions. Down there first. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi. Um, my name is Jared Lederman. I'm a joint degree at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and Harvard Business School. And I guess I was just wondering um, if you could tell us a little bit personally why um, you see law as sort of the best path for social justice and, and why lo law is important to you. Great. Uh, my name is Previn. I'm a second year at Harvard Law School. It's I want to thank Pre you for being here. Uh, Previn. Previn, okay. Uh, I got it. And I had a similar question. I wanted to ask you um, about your sort of 
ongoing faith in litigation as a, as a tool of social change. It seems like in many cases, it can be a very blunt instrument for getting things done. And as a sort of budding lawyer, I sort of worry about that um, going into, into impact litigation as a, as a method visa, uh, versus politics in particular. Correct. Uh, my name is Yulsan Lim. I'm with the, uh, I'm a 2009 Reynolds Fellow at NYU at the Gallatin School. Um, so I uh, work with a real small community organization in the Center for Constitutional Rights, which works with the ACLU on what's now called the Coalition for Community Safety, which is a police accountability coalition, working for legislative reform of um, to increase the accountability of the NYPD. So. I, I wonder um, if you could speak about how ACLU understands working in spaces with uh, local legal ad advocacy organizations, but also really small um, community-based organizations, and also if you have a perspective about um, ACLU's involvement around the issue of police accountability, which is perhaps a, a bit of a controversial issue. Sarah Dillard, I'm a joint degree student at the Kennedy School and Harvard Business School. I agree with you that the 5-4 split question last night was very productive, and you mentioned that you had your own views on the politicization of the court, and I wanted to just ask you what those were. Sure. <laughs> I was so hoping that someone would. <laughs> Where are we? Okay. Uh, good morning. My name is Eliana Godoy. Hello, Eliana. And I work uh, with uh, a community in East Harlem. Uh, mainly with uh, immigrants, and I'm just curious about your ideas on what the immigration reform should look like. Okay, let's keep going. I, I like to do bunches of ten. So we're up to two, four, six. We got four more. Um, hello, my name is Cody Brown. Cody. I'm at NYU. Um, so I'm a tech entrepreneur, and recently in my field, there's been sort of a swarm of patents for, for sort of really broad. Um, patents around the internet. Um, specifically, Facebook just like patented the newsfeed, right? Uh -huh. So if they were to actually act on these patents, I would be very in trouble as a tech entrepreneur, and so would a lot of other companies. Um, I'm wondering how you think the internet has changed patent law. Great. Okay, three more. Right. There's one here, then over there. Hi, uh, my name's Amanda Castlecroft. I'm at the Kennedy School of Government. Um, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to ask about more of a political question about how we build a productive political narrative for social justice um, in this country and, and more broadly in the world. Of course, the ACLU is about protecting individual rights and human rights. Um, and I think sometimes uh, in that focus on, on individualism and in, in the larger society, we lose an understanding of ourselves as a community and our mutual obligations to each other. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about whether there's a tension there and how we build um, a more holistic narrative that takes account of, of both individual rights and ourselves as a community. That's a great question. Hi, I'm Madeline Kane from Hi. the College of Arts and Sciences at NYU. Um, one of the justices last night touched on how they're seeing fewer civil cases come before them, and um, that is something that I've heard that you see more civil cases settled out of court, and um, private mediation is a rising trend. So I was wondering if that if that is a trend that you've observed, and um, how I've heard a lot about how that can be problematic, um, where you have the judiciary that's supposed to be a neutral body, 
you know, arbitrating, and then whereas the in private mediation, a lot of uh, power imbalances can play out. So, what what are maybe some solutions for that? Great. Last question back here. Hi, Anthony. Hello, um, Karen. How are you? <laughs> um, just a note for everyone. Anthony is not only an amazing advocate for the legal issues that we want to talk about, but also for all of us and our visions. And so I want to thank you for that. Sweet. Thank you. Um, and then my question is, um, the ACLU is taking on a very novel case related to gene patenting. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that with the context of Cody's question. That's great. Great. Go ahead. Um, so love to hear about that. And also, what other novel issues do you see the ACLU taking on in the future that we might not be thinking about right now? Then I saw Mogagadi's hand go up, so we have to call him. Appreciate that. Good morning. Good Thanks morning, so much for being with us you? again. Oh, well, thanks. It was a great dress you had on last night. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you approve. <laughs> Looked up for yourself. I got to make sure my mentees make good. <laughs> so my question is personal. Everybody's asking a lot of legal questions. Um, I'd like to know something more personal about what your trajectory has been given you navigate so many different worlds. You you know, you said yourself, you're Puerto Rican. Um, you have the support of Justice Sotomayor. And what I didn't have the courage to ask her last night is about her you know, comment about being a wise Latina woman. And you're not a wise Latina woman, but you are a wise Latina man. So I'm curious. A little less wise than a, lot, than a wise Latina woman. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> I agree. Um, but if you can talk a little bit about the challenges of navigating so many different worlds, and how do you do that effectively? Okay, I'm gonna group them this way. I'm gonna talk about them in the context of questions that deal with the law and legal issues, questions that deal with policy, generally, uh, a couple of questions on strategy, <clears throat> and then I'll end up with a more personal question. Okay, so let's first start with the, the legal questions. I think one of the most important things uh, that I think that Joe, uh, Joe asked about laws, a path to social justice, and whether it's Previn's point also about the ongoing faith in litigation, whether it's a blunt tool. Every major social issue that this country confronts ultimately gets adjudicated by the courts. And so it may not be where you start, but it certainly is where you end. And if you think about anything that has dealt with either the expansion or contraction of rights and responsibilities. It is the independent branch, the, the judicial branch, which is the final arbiter. And part of what is, is the importance of the courts, and, I, and there's, there's growing cynicism among law students, of which I was one of them, thinking that the courts are more conservative. If you have a more progressive agenda, they've been stocked by Reagan and Bush one, Bush two, how can you move forward an agenda? You have to think differently about what cases you bring and how you bring them. You don't bring a case you want to lose. But you don't bring cases that only win, because that is not being ambitious. You got to bring good cases. You got to bring smart cases. And if I showed you the, the track record, even of the ACLU before conservative Supreme Court, we win about 50% of our cases in this court with the 5-4 split. And so what I would say to you is that it's, it's possible. You have to work harder. You have to be smarter than, than perhaps in the good old years when you could just know that you had justices who were likely to rule with you or judges at the federal level who would rule with you. 
But I ultimately think that many of the most significant issues will be decided less by the political branch, which often follows the court. The, the, it's rare that you find either the Congress or the executive branch really on the cutting edge. Look at, look at Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, look at any of the major issues that we've had to deal with. Look at the questions on torture or Guantanamo. The, there's been complete stasis in the executive and legislative branches, and yet it's the court that has provided the, the, the way forward.